This week, election nerds from all over the country have been glued to their screens. On Thursday 5th of May, there will be elections nationwide, and we've seen perhaps one of the most obscene and ferocious clashes between the two main parties that many of us can remember. Shazia Arwan, a former Conservative parliamentary candidate, said this of the Tory mayoral campaign. I'll be voting Labour. A lifelong Tory voter and ex-candidate, I'm ashamed of the repulsive campaign of hate. I think it's unfortunate and it puts a lot of people off politics. A few days ago, I caught up with Azad Ali, head of community engagement from MEND, in the centre of London, which is the Coliseum for perhaps the greatest clash between the Reds and the Blues this election season. So, Azad, what are people actually voting for? Uh, you have uh, six major elections actually taking place um, across the country. So you have the Scottish Parliament election, you have the Welsh Assembly election, um, then you have the local council elections, uh, uh, most places uh, out of London. Um, then you'll have, uh, which is two in elections in London, the Mayor election and the London Assembly elections. Um, and then you have a very important election, which a lot of people don't know about, which is the Police and Crime Commissioner elections. Over the last few weeks, we've seen the campaign for the London mayoral race take a turn for the worst, with a lot of smearing, a lot of accusations uh, from the Tory candidate, Zach Goldsmith, against uh, Sadiq Khan. And we've seen him employ what some have called an Islamic-phobic campaign. Is this really about personalities? I think it's unfortunate, and it puts a lot of people off politics, that you know, politicians drive the election campaign into... Uh, things like uh, attacking a particular community, attacking a particular religion. Uh, and unfortunately, we've seen this in this election. And we need to rise above this. And, and this is what we try to do at MEND. What we try to do is for every election, we produce a manifesto on the key issues that affect not just the Muslims, but the communities in that area or in that constituency, and get the candidates who wish to get our vote to say what's their position on that, so that the community can make an informed choice based on policies rather than um, buzzwords and attacks and ad hominems, if you like. That's right. Unfortunately, in a lot of conversations that I've seen, people seem to be talking about electing some kind of representative or some kind of you know uh, imam or something almost. Uh, and very few people are actually talking about or actually even know about what a mayor actually does. What does a mayor actually do? From our point of view, what we've looked for in the candidates are on the key issues. So if you like, look at policing, one of the things uh, the mayor will be in charge of is the policing. As we know, Islamophobia is a big problem, and we want a mayor that is going to actually recognise the problem and deal with it in a proactive manner. Unfortunately, that hasn't happened so far. We also need, um, it's not just about dealing with Islamophobia, we need uh, assurance and confidence building in policing. Uh, and that happens through engagement. And the mayor is effectively in charge of the Metropolitan Police, so they need to kind of instigate uh, this relationship building with the Muslim community and wider community, not with uh, a few individuals from uh, a minority within a minority, but the wider Muslim community, uh, just so that Muslims feel at ease. We know, uh, you know, over the last year, 18 months, we've seen a lot of YouTube videos, phone videos, how sisters and others are being Islamophobically attacked on our transport system. So the mayor is in charge of that. So we need a mayor who's going to look into providing up-to-date uh, uh, security systems in our trains, on our buses, so that you know it is captured, but then it is chased up and you know that 
culprits are apprehended, if you like. So all of these things are very important. So these are the key issues we've been kind of looking for, where the candidates stand uh, on these issues. And we hope that the community, when they look at voting, because they should vote, um, they will look at this rather than uh, what the papers uh, have kind of spun that this candidate said and that candidate has said. I mean, I personally, I am really saddened by the campaign by Zach Goldsmith uh, and the attack on Imam Suleiman Ghani, even uh, the Prime Minister attacking him and linking him to Daesh, uh, you know, is, um, is unbelievable, preposterous. And uh, alhamdulillah, he's taken legal action against the BBC who did the same thing. In terms of why did Sadiq uh, or his camp defend him and everything else, that's really, you know, difficult for me to answer because obviously I'm not there but I don't think they did any better uh, and they, sh they should have handled themselves better uh, uh, in, in this whole discussion but unfortunately this is the climate that we live in uh, and it'd be wrong for me to not say that you know Sadiq's uh, campaign as well as Zach's campaign has capitulated to a neoconservative narrative uh, and, and that's fact but wherever that case may, that, that may be these are not the issues they will be dealing with once they're in office. This is just a sideshow. It's a media sideshow. And I think we need to really see past that. You know, we, it's, it's just a smokescreen to put us off from voting. Because look, one in eight of Londoners are Muslims. Okay, we actually have a big say on who becomes the mayor of London. And we should have that say. Okay, and we should be setting uh, the standards, we should be setting the agendas, because this is our country like anybody else's. And of course we will do this in a democratic way. Some people have highlighted the fact that Sadiq Khan and his campaign hasn't actually defended um, those community leaders that have been smeared as well, which has led to the, the, the sentiment that, you know, what, whoever I vote for, it's not going to make a difference, they're all the same, that kind of stuff. What do you say to those types of people? I think the, the premise of the question is wrong. Because when you say whoever I vote for isn't going to make a difference, you're looking at uh, a person who's going to do something that's not their job. So when we elect someone, they're not there to, they're not going to be our imam. Do you see? They're not going to teach us our deen. They're not there to be our religious leader. Okay, they're there to do an administrative task on our behalf, which is manage our affairs, manage our transport system, manage our policing system, yeah? provide better opportunities for housing. Uh, all of these, this is the work that they're there for. So I think that's a really important thing that we as Muslims need to understand and, and differentiate. Our wages are, and salaries are not going up, but transport costs is going up. You know, in London, in Zone 1, it's really expensive to travel now. So if you're, if you're not earning loads of money, it's, you know, most of your money is going on transport. These are the things that really matter to us. Uh, and that's how we need to approach it. We need to leave the kind of religious side of, uh, of it out, out of the question. That doesn't mean we don't participate according to our religion. Of course we do. But what we're saying is when we vote for someone, we distinguish who to vote for based on what they're going to deliver. You know, I not actually know exact, the exact history between Sheikh Suleiman Ghani and Sadiq Khan. And there are many, many different things. But let me just tell you this in, in politically, without actually making it a personal thing. You know, Sadiq Khan voted for same-sex uh, marriage. You know the bill that happened? He voted uh, for it, like, like all other MPs did. Their argument wasn't that they'd done something un-Islamic in that sense. That this was a bill that was going to pass anyway. But one of the things people like Sadiq Khan and others did is they brought in a clause in that legislation where it gave exemption 
to religious institutions from holding these kind of relationships, okay? Or, sorry, conducting this kind of marriage. So like a, a masjid or a synagogue or a, a church uh, or a temple can say on religious ground, we don't have to provide the service. Everyone else has to provide the service. So that's the, that's the negotiation they did to, to kind of get that into the bill. Now, the people that were pushing the bill, they didn't have to, for eight MPs at that time, there was only eight Muslim MPs, right? Mm. For eight MPs, they knew they weren't going to lose the bill. They weren't going to get it. So this is actually a positive thing, Dana, regardless of what my position or anyone else's position on the actual legislation is. We're not exactly in a perfect situation here. Whoever you vote for, um, they're, they're, they're going to be enacting policies and things that you really don't like. So when we're given a rock and a hard place as two choices, some people have said, you know what, just keep your hands clean and just don't vote from at all. What do you say about this? Let us merge it with the discussion about politics in general. Sheikh Dr. Haytham Al-Haddad from the Islamic Council of Europe. By the way, I'm going to Turkey in, in, in a few weeks. And some people, I'm going to give some lectures here and there. A brother told me about uh, some people whom I'm going to lecture with. They told me that, uh, be careful. If you love Erdogan, they hate Erdogan. <laughs> then I, I said, why? Which is, this is a perfect example to, to, that we learn from. They said because Erdogan did not bring Sharia, Erdogan did this and that, Erdogan did not stand firmly for, against the aggression in, in Syria, Erdogan, so they hate him. So please, if in your uh, seminar, don't mention Erdogan, don't praise him, don't... See, for those people, those people are living in a bubble. They are not really living in the real world. Yeah? That's why Sharia, there are certain things that are puritanical, mm -hmm. but there are so many things that are fluid. Yeah. Fluid in Sharia, especially in the practice of, uh, in, the, in, the, in the practice of theory. And many people do not, yani our brothers and sisters and many Muslims, they do not differentiate between the theory mm. and the practice mm. of the theory. Mm. And that's why they fall into major mistakes. Mm. I'll give you a simple example. Simple example might provoke yani, another discussion, but you know, uh, you know we have, uh, from an Islamic perspective, that we have certain boundaries when men and women are interacting. Now, people call this free mixing. Many people call, say, Sheikh, well, free mixing is haram, okay, uh, but, you know, is it allowed to go to universities because it is free mixing? Is it allowed to go to a party, a uh, wedding party of my relatives because it is free mixing? And my answer is, see, that is the theory. Now, if you want to put it into practice, you cannot say that this is exactly free mixing, this is not free mixing. There is a fluidity between both. And that is applicable on politics. In politics, there is no clear black and white. Yes? There is no perfect man. See, tell me, after the time of Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, yeah? Hmm. No yeah, one yeah. came like Umar ibn Abdul Aziz. Hmm. Are we going to say that all are bad, subhanAllah. Abu Ja'far al-Mansur, Harun al-Rashid, etc. All the Abbasi Khulafa. Someone told me, these Abbasi Caliphs is just one of, like one of the leaders. I said, Astaghfirullah al-Azim. 
these people are like one of the Muslim leaders now. He said, yeah, what's the difference? Because of this black and white mentality. Yeah. If he's not Umar ibn Abdul Aziz, then I should keep away from that. Mm. They are all bad. La. It is not like yeah. this. Even Ibn Taymiyyah said the wise, the wisdom, is not to know what is, uh, what is bad and what is evil. He said, no, 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 the wisdom, sorry, what is bad and what is good. He said, the wisdom is to know, to be able to identify what is the worst of two bad things, two bad things yes. and what is the best of two good things. Mm. This is the wisdom. This is the real fact. I do think that the question yeah. is central. Anas Takriti, CEO and founder of the Cordoba Foundation. It's the question that basically uh, I'm asked about every single time I speak about yeah. political engagement. And that is, well, you know what, it's just too complicated. It's, I, I, don't, I don't want to risk it. You know, I might vote for someone and then he brings in, you yeah. know, certain policies and I'll feel li liable before Allah and therefore I'd rather stay away. The fact is that even if you choose to stay away, you're taking part. Exactly. Your refrain, your abstainment yeah. from, from yeah. will favor one against the other. Yeah. Yeah. It plays a part. You cannot, within the system that we have, you yeah. cannot say that by me sitting at home and doing absolutely nothing, that you're not involved. You are involved. Whether you are actively participating or you are not actively participating, actually you are participating. How does that? Imagine that there are 10 people in this room, we want to uh, vote for A or B. Four brothers or four members voted for A. Three people voted for B, yeah? So now we have three more people who said, we don't want to get our hands dirty in this dirty politics. So A now, who got four votes, he will say to them, yes, politics is dirty, it's haram, don't get involved. Why? Because if they keep quiet, he will win. Agree? So actually, they voted for him indirectly. Yeah? So we need to tell those people, the three, no, 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 no. Not, not don't waste it. No, 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 no. Even it is to the other level. Don't give it to the wrong one just by being naive. Yeah? And you don't know how the game uh, works. We can't escape participation. And I'll give you, because uh, uh, Anas has already given it, but let me give you an example of Burnley. For those of us who know Burnley, it's got a very big Muslim community. But Burnley was one of the first councils to actually get a, a BMP councillor. And do you know how many votes that councillor got in by? Four votes. Okay? So, you know, the, imagine the, the damage this one councillor can cause being on the council. The access to information the right to actually veto things and, and cause issues and problems. All because it, ha it has a very high Muslim population. All because four Muslims, maybe, yeah. didn't bother to vote. Maybe, maybe. And from this particular platform, we can start the discussion for the next four years. And that is that we monitor the performance exactly. of whoever comes in and becomes mayor yeah. of London yeah. and we hold them responsible and accountable against the pledges that they made throughout mm -hmm. the, the, the campaigning period. Yeah. So I think that when we do that, then we feel more engaged, then we feel that kind of ownership yes. of the decision that we made, the decision that the city made yes. and the future uh, of, of that particular city. So it's, mm -hmm. I, I, I think then we start that particular culture 
of engagement exactly. so that it doesn't become a question anymore. Yes. Khalas, we stop talking about, yeah, have you voted, have you registered to vote or have you not? Yeah. It's, a, it's a foregone conclusion. It's how we better and how we develop and how we improve that, that engagement. Yeah. The way I see the Muslim community, mashallah, is evolving. The young, our young brothers, wallahi, the way I see them, yeah, they are um, more competent than many other people. Yeah? If you go to, uh, uh, even in schools, yeah, even in schools, those who have English language as their mother tongue or those who have, in fact, uh, dual language, yes, many of them, if they, if they don't face cultural problems at home or major economical problems at home, normally they perform better. And I don't want to praise Sadiq or, or he's not a friend of mine. He's not, uh, I, I don't know, maybe I have a problem with him. Yeah, this is something else. But it really impresses the, it, it is like, it is a model for many Muslims that, look, he can, his father is, was a bus driver and the, then he went, to, uh, he, he went to the school, he went to law, so he progressed. It gives me an indication, although I have a problem with him, Okay, it but gives me an story. indication. But it's a good story. Yes, that it is a good story that this person can be a competent person. And it is inspiring for many Muslim brothers as well. Final thoughts. I want to ask you a question that you're, you're more than welcome to answer or not answer. Sheikh Haytham, who will you be voting for on Thursday? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, to be honest with you, um, I, I have issues with, with uh, Sadiq Khan. Okay. But I have more issues with the Tories and the uh, other side. Let us put it like this. Yeah? And let me em emphasize on one point again. Please, brothers and sisters, let us not be emotional. You know? Let us see the world, the whole world is based on interest. Where is my interest? Even if I hate something, I will do it if my interest goes with that. Full stop.